On this special episode of Intrigued Full Effect, I talked to Michael Brown Sr., the father of Michael Brown Jr., who was shot and killed in Ferguson, Missouri on August 9th of 2014. Michael's death led to a wave of protests all across the country. I was an anchor and reporter in St. Louis at the time, and I covered the riots and protests intensely. I was right there and saw it all from the start. As the five-year anniversary of Mike's death approaches, I wanted to catch up with Mike Sr. to have a quick chat to talk about where his life is right now, his plans for the future, and his thoughts about the media and the Ferguson Police Department today. This is what he had to say. Michael Brown Sr., thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. We haven't had a talk in about maybe three years or so. Our last conversation was, um, but I want to ask you, you know, as this five-year anniversary mark is coming around, how are you now? I'm in a little better place. You know, it's still hard. The family, you know, because the time is still coming back around. It brings back old feelings, you know, just, just trying to stay positive through this week and getting through that day and days to come. Mm-hmm. How do you think you've changed over the last five years? Uh, just a little bit, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I can say that. It's still hard, you know, every day is still different, you know, uh, kids still have questions. It rewinds and brings things back up. Uh, sadly that we still have this going on, but every time you turn on the TV, it's someone losing their child in the same manner. So it's kind of hard to uh, to go forward, but just like I say, stand in the positive space. And, you know, I've always wanted to ask you too, when you stop and think about, the impact of everything that's happened to you and your family and like the wide worldwide range of the impact that it had, what goes through your mind when you really, you know, realize all of that? Well, before Mike passed, he said the world was going to know his name. I didn't definitely think it was going to happen this way because he, he wanted to be a rapper, but uh, the public just being involved in and in having trust in the family and just standing up for what they believe in, you know, it's just, it's real big for us, you know, and I definitely always would love to thank them for standing up and believing in, you know, the situation that it was, that it had happened differently than what mm-hmm. the, the media had put out on Mike. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I also think about this too, you know, chosen for change how did you come up with that name? What inspired you to come up with that? Well, it was a young guy, uh, maybe six, uh, maybe seven or eight at the time. Drew a picture of Mike Mike, and it had uh, spells of change at the bottom. And I told everyone that that was the name that we were going to use. So at this point, what are you doing nowadays? I know you're pretty active in the community and things like that. So let's talk about uh, what you've been up to since then and, and what's moving forward for you now. Well, definitely, I, uh, I work for uh, Conscious Campus. It's a speaker's group. I have been doing colleges and speaking at colleges all around the world. As of now, what I'm doing now, I'm doing prison reform in South Carolina with a guy named Andre Norman. And we're working on a system that's down there and trying to get some tough stuff changed because uh, they are really using, a, they're losing our youth down there with petty cases. So. I've been back and forth from there to here trying to do, trying to stay busy. And that leads me to my next question. When it comes to the changes, you're talking about what's happening there. When you stop and look at everything that's happened in St. Louis and the changes that 
the, you know, the Department of Justice were trying, they were trying to incorporate and all of that. What have you seen with that? What do you think about things now compared to five years ago? Nothing. I don't see no changes. Really? You don't see any changes? Really? No. Wow. I mean, so as far as like how the, the system works and the policing and all of that, you don't really sense that at all? Is that what the people are telling you or is that what you're, you feel like you see every day? That's just how I feel. You know, we still seeing black and brown bodies laying on the ground. You know, so we're, we're not, it's a whole lot of work that needs to be done at this point. And so your part in, in trying to make the changes now are, so you're speaking with other people, um, you, you know, like around the world, like you said, colleges and things like that. Is there any particular, you know, experience that you've had through this time that really stands out for you? Just the, uh, the incident that actually happened with, with my son, you know, and, and other families, you know, I still go and talk to other families when they lose their loved one, you know, so all it does is bring back the pain that what we went through. And then some people think that I have the answers and I don't have the answers, you know, all, all I can tell them is just try to stay in a positive space, you know, but just moving forward is it's hard, you know, and every time you turn on the TV, it's just, it's the same old thing, you know. I, I think this is also an opportunity to clear things up. When I, when I say that, I mean, when there are these misconceptions about your son, about you and the whole situation, I feel like this is a, a good opportunity to really clear the air on some things. And so can you tell me what the biggest misconception was about your son and the case and what you want people to know and understand? Well, definitely, I tell people that I need them to go and check out Stranger Fruit because Stranger Fruit has the whole cover up. You know, it has everything that they covered up from the top to the top person as the governor, all the way down to Bob McCullough, you know. And the night before, I, I definitely want to say this, is that Mike was in that store the night before, and they, it was a trade went on, you know. But when I say this, it's all documentary. It's all documented where you could go on YouTube and see everything, you know. So it's just what the media put out. You know, when they don't have all the all the answers and people have from right there, people make their mind up. And it's sad that they make their mind up right then and there, but that's just how I guess it is. And then when the truth comes out, they still don't want to see it for what, what's being shown in their face because they already made their mind up, you know. So definitely, he was my son. He was a, a brother, you know, someone's grandchild, you know. He was he was loved and people seem to forget that because he was humanized, you know. He they, they treated him like he wasn't human, you know. So in the process of like I say with the stranger fruit, you could watch that and it give you all the ins and outs of everything that happened that day and the day before. What do you think the media needs to do to report these stories better? Wait. Wait or and and tell the truth, you know. Because I know a lot of times, you know, when things are happening, we're in this whole whirlwind of just trying to gather any information that we can. So, I wow. mean, and, and unfortunately, we will hear more stories of, of shootings and things like that. That's just the reality of the world that we live in. But I just wonder, as a journalist, you know, coming, looking at things from your perspective, what would you say to me if I, if I arrived at a scene and, and you, you know, you're in a situation with your loved one, what do you want the media, what would you want the media to do to make sure that the information is right, to make sure that you feel like you're being treated right. What would you say to that? I definitely just, you know, gather your information, you know, and, and take a step back for a second because, you know, it's, it's going to be more information coming out. 
But uh, I know I know a person has to go out and say something that an incident did happen. But I just think uh, going into details without having all the details should not be put out. I asked Mike to give me some thoughts about former Ferguson police officer Darren Wilson, who shot his son. I also wondered about his relationship with Mike's mom, Leslie McSpadden. This is what he had to say. At this point, when it comes to the officer who was involved in this, what goes through your mind with that nowadays? Do you even try not to think about who that person is? No comment. Okay, I'll leave it at that. When it comes to Mike's mom, I know the last time we had a conversation, there were some things happening. Is that a no comment situation too? No comment. Okay, got you there. Understand that. Is there one big lesson that you've learned from your whole entire experience of, of going through this whole process and you know that, that you think people can take away from it? I definitely would say uh, I wish I was very aware of everything that was going on, you know, around the world before all this. I hate that it happened to happened to the family to where I had to start paying attention to to what's what the issues are, what the issues have been forever. You know, definitely getting tuned with your with your city, with everything that's going on around in your world. You know, because it at any point it can hit your front doorstep. People just walking around and just living life and with no worries. You know, you, if it's definitely happening in your in your city, you need to get involved and support your community in any way that you can. You know, I definitely feel I could have did more in the beginning on just being aware. You know, just understanding what's going on. You know, and able to be out there before now. So um, now you did, you guys did start like the Michael Brown Foundation. I mean, is there a nonprofit happening right now? Because I want to make sure, because I've heard a couple of different names. So I just want to be clear about exactly what you're involved with, because I know names can be used and people, they, you know, people make certain things up for themselves. I just want people to be clear about exactly what you, the father, what you are involved in right now. The name of the foundation is the Michael Brown Chosen for Change Foundation. We are LLC. We have all our information. We are on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, same name. You can check out everything that we do there. August 9th is right around the corner. I will be doing a press release at, press release at 9 o'clock a.m. in front of the Justice Center. At 11 o'clock, we will do our normal ceremony, you know, as far as what we do at Canfield, Ground Zero. From 1 to 6, we will have a, a exhibit of Mike in the Urban League with all his pictures and his, his stuff, his belongings. So the public can see. At the same time, we will have a MB2 market. That's where it'll be a lot of vendors out selling food, selling products, stuff like that. Just bringing engaging back into the community because I know there'll be a lot of people out there like it was in 2014. So we can have people doing stuff that's positive instead of just being out there and want to, you know, stir everything back up towards taking a focus off of what we're trying to do. And, you know, I mean, I'm not a parent yet, but I can't imagine how you handle it. Is it a more a matter of managing how you deal with your emotions over everything? Like, how do you deal with that mentally? I turn my pain into a purpose. Uh, I'm still angry. I just used it in a different way. As far as your family and his brothers and sisters and things like that, how are they doing now? And with the impact of everything, is everyone kind of, you know, still in, a, in I mean, I imagine the healing will never end, but how are they? Yeah, there's still uh, there's still questions, especially around the time when it's coming back up. You know, it's always some emotions that are different. You know, you got some that some that hide it and some that they can't hide it. So 
you know, I let them express themselves as, as in a way that they can, you know, that mm-hmm. whatever helps them, you know, because I can't tell them not to feel a certain type of way, you know, because that's another thing people don't understand or pay attention to how the siblings feel after losing a, a loved one too. They never get really too much of attention. It just mm-hmm. be the mother or the father. We seem to forget that, you know, siblings hurt too, you know, so. When it comes to the foundation, can you tell me a little bit about what you guys do for the community? Well, we have done, uh, I've done a bunch of give backs. I have paid light bills, rent, gave out TVs, definitely did. I do some every Thanksgiving and Christmas, you know, feed the homeless. Cali either serve dinner or something like that for a family. Christmas, we give out cards, gift cards, different stuff, toys. Oh, we we just we are busy. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Wow. So I guess as we kind of wind this up a little bit, because I know you have a lot going on and a lot of interviews and things like that. Um, so what do you think about the Ferguson Police Department today? I can say they're trying. They got maybe eighty percent black now, but uh, definitely it, it doesn't even. At this point, it don't even matter about color. It's about engaging in your community, knocking on doors, telling people who you are, engaging with the the kids. You know, they just have to get back to the roots, tossing footballs, jumping rope, you know, uh, racing up and down the street with children. Because the community, they are definitely scared of that that uniform. I don't think it's actually the, the individual. It's the uniform that people cringe up about. I still cringe up about it, you know. So... You just have to. They just have to get back active into the community. You know, someone has to. Someone has to start it. It's either us or them. But someone has to do it first. And I think it would be better if it was them because they are the ones that people are looking at and are uneasy about when they're in the presence. What do you think your son would think about everything that's happened and the impact that his life has had on our society? I definitely would think he would know that he would be very proud of the family uh, and the community. You know, I wouldn't even think that this would even be a shocking to him if he was able to see this. You know, he was well-loved. People loved him. He had a lot of good energy that came off of him. So, you know, I, I just see it being in a positive way. Do you think that society should really take another look at how they view black men and how black oh. men are perceived in our society? Oh, of course, of course. You know, um, just because the way we wear our hair or the way we wear our clothes, it doesn't justify the conversation that will happen, that will come out of our mouth, you know, until you have a conversation with us. You know, we always had our own style. We always did our own thing. So, you know, it never justified on a communication, you know, thing. All right. So I guess my last question would be, what's next for you? What's next for me? Well, 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 uh, justice, <laughs> try to get justice, you know, uh, trying to get in these rooms with these people and, uh, see what we can do about the reopening this case and, uh, go on forward on that. I don't want to talk too much about that, but yeah, try to get this case reopened. And I asked Mike Sr. about a special art exhibit in St. Louis. His wife, Cal, was a big part of supporting him to help make it happen. I saw... Uh, some video on the on your Instagram that showed you kind of doing like a body cast as part of a, an art exhibit. Can you talk to me about that and what what was happening there and how did that all come to be? Well, actually, that was Cal's idea. I I didn't really know that I was going to take part in that, 
but uh yeah they molded my body you know to uh repli replicate uh mike's body which they needed more layers but they wanted to make a body cast of i mean a cast of him so they just used my my chest area to to start it that's what will be presented in the museum august 9th for the world to see with the rest of his uh, belongings and it's, this is the one that's going to be at the urban league you said yes okay wow i guess I, what, what were you thinking what, what went through your mind when you were going through that process well definitely i had to take a moment before then because i didn't know i was being used so i took my moment and then we got we got busy any last thoughts for parents who have lost their loved ones in the same way that you have Definitely, you know, the family is praying for you. It's a lot of people that, you know, I, I don't know that they didn't lost their loved ones, but just know that the Brown family is praying for you. And if you never ever need to reach out to us, you can reach out to us through the Michael Brown Charles for Change Foundation. All right, Michael Brown Sr., thank you very much for your time. And um, as we approach this five-year anniversary, I'm sure it's going to be a really interesting and deep and emotional week for you. So I appreciate you just taking the time out of your, you know, your schedule right now to talk with me. Thanks. No problem. Thank you. When it comes to my final thoughts about this case, I have to admit that after my conversation with Michael Brown Sr., I immediately went and watched Stranger Fruit because I wanted to see what it revealed compared to what I covered and knew as a reporter. And there were a few revelations. Mike's friend Dorian Johnson, who witnessed the shooting, kind of disappeared from the public, and the media never really heard much from him after the shooting. So I was interested to hear what he had to say, and he said some insightful things about that day. Another interesting element was the allegations of a major cover-up that the family claims was spread from the state all the way down to the local level. It was also intriguing to see how Mike Sr. took the tragedy and made it his life's work to help others with the Michael Brown Chosen for Change Foundation. He still lives in St. Louis with his family and says he won't stop until he sees the changes needed to help young people make it out of their bad circumstances. There's clearly more litigation happening with the Brown case, and I think we'll find out more details about that soon enough. Stranger Fruit is definitely worth checking out, and you can draw your own conclusions about what happened that day. And of course, I will keep an eye on any new developments in this case and share them in this podcast. If you have any cases that you want me to check out, just visit me on the Intrigued Full Effect website or via email at intriguedfulleffect at hotmail.com. Until next time, be safe and stay true. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Intrigued Full Effect, Curious Cases, Disappearances, and Other Stuff podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the host. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The host of this podcast assumes no liability or responsibility for any activities in connection with opinions shared in the podcast. The podcast and blog associated with it shall not be used in any legal capacity or as a basis for expert testimony. Any copyright material in the podcast is approved by the owner or as part of the public domain. Music by Pond5.